Hello everyone and welcome to the very first edition of the Nesbitt Connection Podcast. My name is Mark Nesbitt and I'm the proud owner of Nesbitt Training and I'm all about building better leaders. However, I think there's a huge part of my story that most of you have never heard. So I thought it was only right for my very first podcast that I shared with you some of my story so you kind of know where I come from and it'd be a great start to the podcast. I'm not asking you to compare yourself to me, but obviously to learn from my journey as well as some of my mistakes. The mistakes that I bought and paid for cash are yours free for the taking. I grew up on a farm that was turned into a gravel pit eventually. You know, it actually, it's a, it's, it's a family business that's still operating today. And you know, the funny thing is, when I was a kid, the truck scales were about 200 yards from the front door of our house. The, the house ultimately became the center of the pit and had to be torn down. So needless to say, at a very young age, I was used to getting my hands dirty. I was greasing loaders and trucks from the time I was probably 10 years old, wearing coveralls that my mom had made for me. You see, in those days, you couldn't buy coveralls for a kid. I'm not even sure you can today, but my mom used to have to make my coveralls. About that same time, my dad bought his first rock crusher. It was not new, and it did lots of TLC before I could go to work. And since I was a kid, and a lot smaller than everybody else there, I was the one that often got jammed into the tight spots like the chutes and inside the screen decks, you know, to, spy, you know, to kind of hold the head of the boat with a wrench. That's where I started. I went to grade school about two miles up the road, and you know, I, I can remember on more than one occasion where my dad would come up to the door of the school, up to the classroom, and he would knock on the door of the class and he would ask to take me home because, you know, a screen had ripped or something had happened and, and they needed somebody small to fit inside the crusher. So that's kind of how I started. You know, the funny thing is, well, my mom's a retired school teacher, I have a sister that's a teacher, and at the same time, I did not like school. You know, they were trying to teach me stuff that, you know, really did not seem important to me because I knew that I was going to be in the gravel business. And the funny thing is, when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was drive a truck. So, that you know, I didn't think you needed much education for that. You know, I remember going to high school and the teacher was trying to get me to, you know, to add 3X plus 2Y, you know, that useful stuff that they tried to teach me in school that I've forgotten today. And, and the funny thing is, is, you know, I'm in my 50s and I really have ever, never really had to use that in my life. So I'm not an academic, you know, I, I, uh, I never did get to go to university or college, so I went to work right after high school. I'm not convinced either that all, you know, academics are great leaders. I left home at a very young age, and I headed to Alberta in the early 80s. You know, the thing is, I got my dream job, and I was in my late teens. I, I was operating a 992C cat loader for Peter Kiewit. You know, and I thought I had the world by the tail. And the thing is, that was the lid that I had put on my life at that time. You know, the thing is, too, this was the very first time that I had learned to emulate my first leader. You know, my first leader, his name was Leon. And Leon challenged me to load more trucks than any other, any other loader operator in the province. He used to tease me and tell me that I wasn't good enough and I wasn't fast enough. And you know what, I took that pretty serious because, you know, I wanted to do a good job. Just like today, I still want to do a good job. So from the seat of that loader, I used to direct truck drivers into position and line them up, you know, just to speed up production. I was so good at it, they made me a foreman. I was really good at yelling at truck drivers and I was really good at emulating my boss. Most of us are really good at what we do. 
So I literally got my very first leadership role because I was good at yelling at truck drivers. I made a lot of mistakes over the years. I often say that I could talk for two days, and at the end of these two days, if you just don't do what I did, you know, you'll be great. Around this time, I was given my very first self-help book. That was close to 35 years ago now. That book was Think and Grow Rich, and to the best of my knowledge, it sold well over 100 million copies today. Not all, not all of my friends in those days were reading self-help books. But, you know, the funny thing was is that started me on a journey of wanting to learn and to keep growing. A simple used paperback book changed the direction and the course of my life. I moved back to Ontario and tried working for my dad again in the family business. And, you know, certainly not to say anything negative of him, but you know, the, the biggest leadership principle I learned there was that, you know, we rarely quit the job, we usually leave the leader. And after three years, I moved on. I ended up with another dream job. However, for the first few years, it seemed more like a nightmare. I started there with a leadership role and didn't know it. So poor communication isn't just something new. It's been around for a long time. You know, when I was first hired, I was told, hey, look, you're going to be looking after the crushers. Well, I didn't think that was a leadership role. I just thought I'd be looking after the crushers. But at noon the first day, a rock truck driver came up to me and he said, hey, look, and he started asking me a question about his truck. And I said, well, I don't know that I should know. I just started here today. He said, well, you're the new foreman. And I said, what? He said, yeah, you're the new foreman. So the funny thing is, you know, I went out and I immediately flagged down my boss and I said to him, you know, what did you hire me for? Well, he said, I guess you're kind of like the foreman. So the funny thing is, is, you know, I learned that I was a foreman by a rock truck driver. So like I say, this, this poor communication thing you see in companies, it's not new. You know, a few years later, my wife asked me if I wanted to go to a leadership conference. You know, a lady she'd worked with, her husband was hosting a leadership conference, and she said, would you like to go to it? You know, she knew I love reading self-help books. And I said, sure, I'd love to go. And of course, you know, I went to this event, and, and I can promise you uh, that it was an amazing event. I, I, I showed up there wearing a Dale Earnhardt hat and a pair of cowboy boots. And I can promise you that nobody else there was dressed like me. I heard for the first time a guy named John Maxwell speak. It was a simulcast event. He was promoting his book, Developing the Leader Within You. He had talked for maybe 45 minutes. It seemed like 10 minutes. And this doesn't happen very often, but I really wish he would have kept going. He said some things that day that I swear that he was only talking to me. He said, you know, just because you have a degree doesn't make you a leader. You know, he said, just because you're in a family business and you're part of the family doesn't make you a leader. And the funny thing was, you know, I was working for a family business at that time, and the third generation was getting involved, and I can tell you, at that time, he was a god-awful leader. You know, John also said that day that, you know, the position doesn't make you a leader. And he said, leadership is influence. And I had witnessed that at its finest. You know, I had managed Corey's, you know, since then, of course, I've managed Corey's, you know, and I have witnessed water truck drivers with more influence that goes on than the foreman does. So leadership is influence. But, you know, the most important thing I learned that day was that I could learn to lead. You know, just like I, learned, just like I could learn how to play golf, I could learn to lead. And for what it's worth, I chose leadership over golf, and I don't golf. I left that event, that free event, with an armful of books, and as my wife said when I get home, I thought the event was free. And I told her it was free, but of course the books cost money. 
I read those books and I really started working on me. You know, the harder I worked on me, the more I moved up the ladder. At that time, the company was working, it was, that I was working for, which you can may as well say was on steroids, it was growing like crazy. And I grew with it. After many years and many promotions, I went from being the foreman at one quarry to managing all their aggregate operations throughout the entire company. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way. You know, and the thing is that I developed a real good relationship with my leader. And, you know, he knew that I would walk on fire for him. And because of that, I also gained credibility with him. I shared with him one day how I was such an avid reader and learner. And the thing is, is I kind of suggested that he could probably learn too. And that sparked a real interest in him. So I started sharing books with him and CDs that I was listening to, and it really got him interested in developing his leadership skills, and I felt really proud of the fact that I was helping him. So so just out of curiosity, one day I said to him, I said, can you imagine what would happen if we trained the entire company on the stuff you and I were reading? He bought the idea really enthusiastically, and the next thing you know, I was the catalyst that brought leadership training to an entire company. That was only the beginning. I was really fortunate to have been exposed to a lot of training while I was there. That company at that time really saw the value in investing in their people. You know, the funny thing is I've yet to see a company, you know, that that doesn't invest in their people, you know, that succeeds. Like, if you want to have your company succeed, you've got to invest in your people. it's, it's, It's amazing. So, of course, I'm not here to criticize the training I was exposed to. You know, all training is good. I think there's some that's better than others. But, you know, I would sit there and I would listen to some of the stuff I was exposed to and I just couldn't relate. And, you know, you got to remember, by that time, I had probably read or listened to over 100 books, you know, either on leadership or management. And I would like to think I'm not certainly not saying I was an expert, but I, you know, I had a bit of an introduction to this material and I kind of had a bit of an idea of what I thought was work and what was simple. Because one of the things I've learned is if it's not simple, people aren't going to do it. And the crazy thing is that some people, you know, they love making things complicated so that they look smart, but it's so darn complicated people can't use it. And that's you know, the disadvantage of some training, I think. But the important thing is, you know, they were speaking a language different than I was used to hearing. I'm not saying it was bad, it was different than what I was used to hearing. Almost all of them, without exception, had never led. You know, they were only covering the material, and the material wasn't theirs. So the thing is, like, if, if, if I have if not led somebody, how can I ever possibly teach somebody how to lead? Like, that, that was a thing that just floored me. Like, you know, if I can't swim, how am I going to teach you to swim? It doesn't work that way. So the thing is, you know, this is why I think say, some, you know, some of these trainers will say in the business, you know, maybe aren't as, as successful as they could be because I've never really led. You know, after a few years of tremendous growth with that company, you know, as a result, of, I believe, of some of this training, uh, you know, the company at that time decided they were going to bring in a new, uh, you know, a new leader from the outside and in a very, very senior role. You know, from the time this new leader came in, the company and the culture were no longer the same. And I'm not here to say anything negative about them. I'm just saying that it changed. And that happens when you bring in somebody new. But I was also living a, a living example that if you don't buy into the leader, you're not going to buy into their vision. And I wasn't buying what was being sold. You know, I just didn't think it it wasn't a fit for me. You know, a good example of that is you just look around politics today. There are some leaders, you know, either north or south of the border, you know, in Canada, the U.S. 
you know, let's just say that there are some leaders that, you know, no matter what some of these political leaders are saying, people aren't buying into it because they haven't bought into the leader. And today, more than ever, I think people are exposed to way too much what I'd like to refer to as vitamin H. You know, there's so much hate for their leaders, even if they had a good idea. You know, they, they, they can't see past the hate to see the good idea. And, you know, the funny thing is, you know, I somewhat fell bickin' for that. I'm not saying that I was hate, but it's just I couldn't see it because I hadn't bought into the leader. So that's why it's so, so important that, you know, b- before, you know, we buy into the, anybody's company vision, you know, if we have to buy into the leader first. I was totally wrong with my decision. Uh, you know, and I can't change the past. However, you know, I felt good about my decision. You know, after a 25-year of giving, a 25-year career of giving all I could for the company that I lived and breathed for, I was done giving. I had became what I refer to as one of the most expensive people to keep around. And that was the fact that I had quit but didn't leave. And, and unfortunately, there are a lot of companies like that where people have quit but just haven't left yet. You know, they saw it. Of course, they're smart people. They saw it. And the next thing you know, I was brought in one afternoon, and within 10 minutes, I was sent home in a cab. And I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't surprised. I knew that I had to go. I had 18 months to think and decide what I wanted to do next. 18 months to spend with our girls. You know, I'd pick them up after school for coffee, and, you know, that was my new norm. Uh, my priorities had changed. You know, reflecting back, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I wanted to see how I wanted to go. I was, I was still, you know, from my opinion, still quite young, and I had, uh, you know, had lots of future left in me, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And, you know, I had designed and built some of the most beautiful crushing plants in the province. You know, they could crush rock day after day, they'll skip in a beat, and do it really efficiently. You know, I, I like to say I was really good at what I did, at least I thought I was. But what I was most proud of there, though, was the people that I helped to grow. You know, the, the construction industry is a lot of fun. There's a lot of great times, a lot of laughs, a lot of teasing, a lot of name-calling. You know, the name-calling and teasing is a kind of a well-learned skill that they don't teach you in school. But the thing is, you know, I'll give you an example. The reason I bring this up, there was one gentleman who came in one day to apply for a job. And as I say, he was smaller than the rest of us. And somebody somewhere along the line had gave him the nickname Pablum. But I'm going to tell you, you know, there's a guy, he just wanted to run a loader. And, and from the minute he came in, I thought he'd be a rock star because I saw the vehicle that he drove. And his very own personal vehicle was spotless and well-maintained. And I thought, you know, if he's going to look after his own vehicle like that, he'll do a real good job of looking after ours. So of course, we hired him and we gave him the opportunity. And today, he is one of the best loader operators there are. Now, because we gave him the opportunity to grow, we taught him all we could teach him. What a treat to watch him grow. You know, watching people, you know, come into what you call my area of influence and see them grow, I thought was very, very exciting. You know, I was influencing or leading probably close to 100 people at that time. And I was fortunate enough, fortunate enough to help a lot of them grow who wanted to grow. You know, because you got to remember, not everybody wants to grow. There are some people that are very content doing what they're doing, and that's okay. But the thing is, there are some people like me who are frustrated, you know, doing what they're doing, and they wanted to improve and grow. And those are the ones, you know, that's where I found my real joy was helping them. I had reached the pinnacle of my career, only to find that there was no there when I got there. The industry had changed, 
And, uh, you know, the, 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 at one time I used to go to a lot of industry events and it was all about the operations and crushing rock. And, and the industry had changed so much so that it was more about, and I'm not saying anything negative about this, but it seemed like the focus was on the environment and environmental issues as opposed to operations. And I was an operations guy. You know, it seemed like the industry, it might, at that, my interpretation of it, seemed that the industry was more concerned with protecting endangered species like birds and turtles when the real endangered species were the people doing the work. You know, the thing is, yes, we need to look after all our endangered species, not just the ones who don't pay taxes or operate the equipment. We have to look after them all. During my 18-month holiday, the people from John Maxwell had asked me about, about becoming a coach, trainer, and speaker. I told them no. I said, look, I'm not a teacher. I didn't like school. You know, that's not what I do. It's just not, you know, what I'm about. And they said, that's excellent, because we need people just like you to share your story with people just like you. So, you know, I thought, hey, that makes sense, because I thought back to all the situations where I was really lucky enough to be involved in, but couldn't identify with the teacher. and thought, you know, I think there could be, you know, a small group out there that I could help. So after a sizable financial and time commitment, I became a certified coach, trainer, and speaker for the John Maxwell team. Today, after seven years of operating Nesbitt training, I'm going to tell you, life is great. You know, I've worked with uh, well over 100 companies. Thanks to technology today, I have been really fortunate, and I've worked with people and companies from all across the entire country. I can count on one hand the number of people who have spent their life in operations like me and who have gone back you know, and, and made it their career to teach leadership skills. Like, it doesn't happen very often when you see somebody from the industry, you know, that goes back to the industry to, you know, to try and help. And, you know, I, I love the saying that in order to keep it, you got to give it away. And that's what I'm trying to do now. You know, I'm trying to help people become just a little bit better tomorrow than they are today. And that's all we can ask of anybody. Hey, look, it be a little bit better tomorrow than you are today. You know, I have a real soft spot for the people who, just like me, you know, they're in a role saying to themselves, you know, if I had the opportunity, I could really improve this place. Just give me a chance. I don't understand why they're doing it this way. Just give me the chance. And I've been there, and I know what it's like. You know, the funny thing is, too, is, you know, those closest to the fire always know what's burning. And if you ask them, they usually know how to put the fire out, if you just ask. You know, these people are our future. You know, they're the future of the industry we just have to help them grow. We need to invest in their lives, you know, so they will start rowing in the same direction that we are. These are the people who, in my opinion, take a shower after work, and they want to become someone who takes a shower before work, and they're good people. But the million-dollar question is, is, you know, do we want to become better? Do we want to help them become better? You know, Jim Rowan always says, you know, success is something you attract by the person you become. This brings us close to the end of our first podcast. You know, I, I just I want to share with you that I would love to hear uh, what you have to say, what your thoughts are on this. Uh, I, I really hope that my story has helped you. You know, I, I want you to subscribe because there's going to be more of these. I got some really great guests lined up and, uh, you know, they're going to be a lot of fun. But until then, I really want you to remember, you know, that the greatest threat to us is thinking somebody else will do our job. 